conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash Girls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash Girls. Sign up today. I just came back from the salon, and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. (laughs) Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time (laughs) with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. Believable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. A mask is the only thing going over my head. I'm black girl magic from head to toe. Don't check me, boo, because I said what I said. Okay. <laughs> got annihilated. I'm not in the performance alone. 
Andy's Girls. I just got fucked. Um, it's Andy's oh Girls God. episode 178. And I am so excited to be joined by a new guest on the People's People's Couch. You know her as the host of the Bravo Breakdown. You've seen her seen her on an audio podcast. You've Definitely seen her on an audio <laughs> podcast on all of your favorites. She's been on all of them, including Bitch Sesh and many others, talking about all things Bravo and breaking down things inside the Bravo universe yes. and outside of it. And you know, I love a fun fusion. So I'm so excited to have none other than Sasha Morfa. Oh, here on the People's Wheels Couch. Wow. Sasha. That introduction alone, I mean, wow. Can I get, okay, we're can, done. can you type we're done. that up so I can frame yes. it and look at it yes. every morning? Yep. To affirm myself so that I know who I am. Because Andy's Girls is girl, the place of affirmation. I need it. I need it. <laughs> I really do. I needed it today in particular because I was dragging today. Did you? It was one of those days I, you got to wind yourself up like the ballerina. You got to wind her up to get her going. It was one of those days. Wait a second. Do you believe in horoscopes? Um, No. I've had readings and I find them very like I've taken things from them that I still carry with me years later. But I don't necessarily believe in like maybe that it's the end all be all like it's like so literal you know what i'm saying exactly i take it as like especially like horoscope stuff where it's written for a crowd or whatever i think of it as entertainment and like maybe it'll right you know inspire something what's your horoscope sign capricorn okay so i'm going guys this is the <laughs> this is so new york moron of me but if you're a new yorker you make fun of it, but you also live and die by the New York Post. It is a tabloid in New York City that has like national whatever. And it's kind of a piece of shit, except you know it because its headlines are sometimes very, very funny. And it's good for two things. One, page six, which is essentially the Real Housewives of New York City Bible, where they leak whatever right. about each other. Right. Um, it's an honorary cast member on New York. And the other thing is the Daily Horoscope on New York Post, which even, you know, the former executive editor of the New York Times would say, I start my day every day with the um, Daily Horoscope, guys. Daily Horoscope for New York Post. So I just realized I forgot to read mine. So I'm reading mine and reading yours. Okay, so Capricorn is... Don't try to force the pace. Allow matters to develop naturally, especially on the work front where things are changing so fast anyway that your efforts may look slow by comparison. The best course of action is to react to events, not make them happen yourself. Was that good? Wow. That was right. They don't fuck around. I'm telling you, you're going to check it every day. Oh, my God. Was it really good? That's so good. Because that's exactly what I've been feeling lately. I mean, long story. You know how it is with the work stuff. When you're, like, an artist and you're making yeah. your stuff, you're doing your stuff. And then it comes in waves. And then when the wait, when it's feast and famine, they call it. So right now yes. I'm in sort of a famine where I'm like, okay, I'm sort of waiting for things to pick up on the acting in. And then the whole Bravo thing, it's like a passion project. And then I love it. Mm-hmm. So you're just kind of stuck in this spot of, like, what do I do? The Bravo stuff is especially hard because it is a passion project, but it is also a project with a capital P. So for many of us, yourself included, I mean, you have the added pressure and stress, and we'll talk about the Bravo breakdown, but of filming video, which is like, I can't imagine. I do audio, Mm -hmm. and it's 
a wonderful nightmare. <laughs> so I can't imagine what it's like to have this stress of video on top of it. And also, like for Andy's Girls, every episode of Andy's Girls represents at least 20 hours of work. So wow. it's a lot of labor. Yeah. And so you have to try to figure out eventually a way for those of us who've created these hopefully enjoyable projects to figure out a way to monetize it because it's not sustainable otherwise. Absolutely not. I mean, I think that's why for both of us, our Patreons have been so important because it's a way for people to hopefully support understanding that we're all in this fucking crazy ass time right now financially you know mentally emotionally physically with covid but there are real repercussions for that and the feast and famine comparison to me is really good because even when you're in the feast mode Mm -hmm. getting the actual money owed to you Mm. from the feast yeah like you're emotionally feast but literally famine is tough there's really no, there's really no right way. Speak the and then truth. They give you that, right? And then they give you that one check representing how many months. I'm like, all right, I guess I'll go buy six bags. Right. I deserve it. I put up with a lot waiting for this. Absolutely. Um, okay, wait, let me just read Aries. This is a nice little yes. pivot. Guys, I hope you're all enjoying this. NewYorkPost.com slash I don't know. I mean, you got me already itching. Like, I can't wait to, like, look it up now every day. I'm like, now I have to see right? what the fuck it says every day. I mean, honestly, my new, my new typically morning thing is to wake up, say, is this still real life? And then right. do two things. I go to Instagram stories and I look for the, you know, like the throwback thing where it'll show you what stories you've done at that day in your yeah. past. And that's been oh, cool. nice. It's like sort of depressing, but nice. And I don't typically post stuff from it but I just like to know what I was doing a year ago five years ago whatever and the other thing is checking the New York um daily horoscope okay so this is this is mine Aries which is unsurprising to everyone um it may be inevitable that some of the people you live and work with will disagree with your plans but what can they do about it (laughs) nothing you have never been, <laughs> you have never been one to care much what other people think, and it's unlikely you're going to change now. Whoa! Wow. Um, cool. that sounds about right. I, I don't see like you changing right. for anyone. Right? I try not to whenever possible. Um, just my shoes. Um, yes. So listen. Now that we have our horoscopes out of the way, now that we know how our days went at 7 o'clock Eastern time, 4 p.m. Pacific, I want to talk about you, Sasha Morfoss. So when, tell me a little bit about the journey of the Bravo breakdown. When did this begin? When did your Bravo-holic, if I can call you a Bravo-holic, when did that passion project begin in your life, that life pursuit? Yes, yes, I love it. Well, so I've been a Bravo-holic since... I first laid eyes on Nene Leakes. So oh. this is what, is that 2000? When was that, 2008? I don't know, I think every two, day. I think 2008. So I was right. senior in high school at that time. Mm. And I had already been watching the Kardashians. So that was like the first sort of reality show that I really got into, the Kardashians. Mm-hmm. And I just love the idea of like following these people's lives. Like, cause I had watched like a lot of competition reality shows. They never, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, America's Next Top Model and like singing, mm-hmm. singing shows, American Idol but they never like quite hooked me like the just sort of like inside look at someone's personal life, just like sort of Mm -hmm. stream of conscience 
sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so then Nene leaks the Real Housewives of Atlanta. I was hooked immediately. Her friendship with Kim Solciak was so fascinating to me. Oh my god! I was like, these women. It was so endearing, like their their chemistry together. I just loved them. Yes. And then here comes Phaedra, and I'm like, oh my mm-hmm. god! And I just loved all of the characters on that show, and I call them characters because mm-hmm. they're characters. They're playing a part. They show up to work. There's grips. There's text. There's lights. They're working. They're characters. Yeah, they're heightened. They're heightened versions of themselves, and that's what acting is. It's just you don't, you don't get to. We don't have to read. You get the luxury of not having to read lines, but it's still Mm -hmm. you know yourself in a given given circumstance. They set the scene Mm -hmm. up, and then it's action. You know, Mm -hmm. so that's why Mm -hmm. I call them characters. So anyway, so Nene leaks Real Housewives Atlanta, and then I watched that only for like years and years and years, and then I started watching OC randomly. And I've told people this. I know. It's such a strong pivot, and that was my. I would have thought you would have gone to New York. Oh, see, oh, I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. They, the women seemed kind of homely, like even though they were wealthy. Like Tamara looked so trashy to me, and like oh I just felt that they looked cheap. And something about, and I, I mean, they definitely, yeah, I could. Say, you know, I would just think the new, the energy of New York. If you I don't like know the energy of Atlanta. But I love that you went to Orange County next. I don't know what happened. I really don't. I can't explain it. All I know is it was on the TV one day, and I never felt drawn to New York. I don't know if it was like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I'm not drawn to New York as a city. I'm drawn to, I live in California. I'm from the South. And I've always been drawn to the West Coast. I've always wanted to get away from the East Coast. And so I'm drawn. That's why I was drawn to the Kardashians. Like, I love that that West Coast lifestyle. So that the yes. fantasy of that was a lot more alluring to me than the hustle and bustle of New York. I think, is why I liked it more. Oh, my God. I'm surrounded by people who love New York. And it is refreshing to as someone littering, literally living in New York City. It is refreshing to hear someone say they never want to live here. I I'm just not never, even parking with you. It was never on I my list. That. It was. I always wanted sunny and warm and slow and easy because I'm so fast in my own energy. I don't need the city to then kick me in the ass. Like I can kick oh my, my own God. self in the ass, and then if I want to go to the grocery store, or I want to do laundry, or I just want to go do something that's not like has to be scheduled out for how I'm gonna get there. For me, obviously, once you live in New York for some time, you understand the city a lot more. But for me, LA, the slow pace of it, mm-hmm. I thrive because then when I turn off and I'm not working, it feels like I'm on a vacation, like immediately. I am obsessed with you this. know what I mean, and the food and the lifestyle, because I'm not naturally a healthy person, and LA makes it so easy to be healthy. Yeah. There's all the exercising, and it's they mm-hmm. have the extremes. You can do as little as a slow paced walk in Runyon Canyon, and just like celebrities, mm-hmm. just look for celebs, or you can actually kick get your ass kicked in a class every day if you want. Um, what are your thoughts on Runyon Canyon, by the way? It's, I mean, like I said, it's for celebrity sightings. Like you want to go, and maybe you'll see a celeb, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of dogs. And it's like, it's overly crowded. It's just like a tourist mm-hmm. attraction. I don't, I don't really go there if I want to do a hike. Like mm-hmm. I would go to like Pasadena. Like there's a really beautiful hike in Pasadena. There's like t- tons of hikes everywhere. There's one in Malibu that's so beautiful. But Runyon is like if you kind of want to have like a LA day, I call it like where you just want to do mm-hmm. all the LA stuff. Then you just go to. But anywho, yeah, yes. Yeah, so that was probably had something to do with why I wasn't drawn to Taroni. Mm-hmm. And. I remember watching it briefly and I didn't understand Sonia Morgan like I do now. Mm, okay. In the beginning, she was so in the air. Like she's so she's so light anyway. She's very light. She's, she's also flighty. I mean, it's what we yeah, love about her. Exactly. And yeah. in the beginning, she was also much younger. And you know, she's mm-hmm. grown into herself more. So I just wasn't connected mm-hmm. to her. So, anyways, so it was Atlanta and then Orange County. And then it was only that for a very, very long time. 
I don't know why. Wow. I just like only I, I didn't watch Vanderpump, none of those shows, Beverly Hills, nothing, mm-hmm. just those two. Mm-hmm. Maybe I just had it was just you know you're in, I don't maybe I was busier. I don't know. Once I got to LA, I started getting really depressed because it was fucking like shit. You come out here, you think you're gonna work immediately, and then you get slapped in the face real quick. Like, uh, no, that's like five years minimum just to get mm-hmm. your union card. So I think like once I got to LA, I had even more free time, and that's when I started watching like a lot of these shows when I had like all this downtime. So then I started watching Roni. So it was OC Atlanta, and then I started watching mm-hmm. Roni probably five years ago. And then what followed Roni, New Jersey? Yeah, so it was Roni, New Jersey. And then Beverly Hills was the last on the list. Beverly Hills and really? Vanderpump were the last. Since so I watched Roni, New Jersey, I didn't, and then was that it? And then we're, you watched uh, Dallas before Beverly Hills. So Dallas, I'm still struggling with Dallas. Don't eat. Continue. I'm still to ride struggling. The struggle, yeah, it's over not, there. It's, it's, it's not done. even on it's, my list. Okay. It's uh, Andy tweeted the other day that like the upcoming season is gonna be um, enjoyable or something. Right. And okay. Was, like, surprising. There's. Tr- I would bet money. I will bet a single dollar. <laughs> I'll never actually pay. That it's going to be a fucking mess. There is yeah. no way it's going to be good. But anyway, sorry. Continue. Yeah, I don't even count so, when I'm listening. These, I don't even count Dallas because I just know that it's fucking ignorant and I can't even right. entertain. Well, it's just and it's the last season was tough. And the fact that they brought back Carrie with a K. I mean, just the current cast. There is truly no chance mm. that it's going to be enjoyable. Okay, cool. I don't for a second, like regardless of how horrible many of those women are. Um Okay, so after so you watched Potomac. Where did, when did Potomac? So Potomac came in when it when it started. I was once Potomac okay, started. Great. I was already hooked. Potomac that yeah. So that's the latest show. But Roni, New Jersey, and Beverly Hills. So it went Roni and then New Jersey and then Beverly Hills and then Vanderpump. And I and I resisted Beverly Hills and Vanderpump because it was felt too close to home. At that mm-hmm. point, I had been living in LA for five years. And then I was like, fuck this shit. Because you know you go through these waves, like, oh, my God, I love LA. And then you get here, you're like, oh, wait, somebody still has to pay the bills, so then I'm still a roach anyway, even if mm-hmm. the best city ever. And then you start making some money, and then you, like, enjoy LA again. So I was, like, in that period of time of, like, hating it because it was, like, all this stuff that I wanted around me that I couldn't engage in because I had to fucking be a server. And it was just, like, the mm-hmm. shittiest thing ever. You know what I mean? That that whole lifestyle. So of I was course. working at the Mondrian, which is connected to the Sky Bar, where they had the where James walked up to uh, Katie and said she looked pregnant. I worked. Oh God! I worked downstairs, like across the pool. Oh my God! I would see them filming. Over, I would see them doing shit. Over, I saw a basketball wives over there loving hip hop shit. They would always film at our pool, oh and my I God. was like, I'm never watching that shit. Like it was just so close to home. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. so I couldn't watch Vanderpump or uh, Beverly Hills for the longest. And then I just got into both of them within the past. I would say like. Two and when did you go from being a viewer, fan, you know, watching this for escapism to a creator within the Bravo um, world? So I think when did once, that begin? So when I first started watching the Real Housewives, when I was younger in high school and stuff, this was before like we could watch shows on our laptop and like really yep. rewind. TiVo was mm-hmm. kind of around, but like you had to like be rich or whatever. Like TiVo was like a luxury. So once yeah. it became really easy to like, watch an episode and rewind, fast forward, mm-hmm. rewind, rewind, rewind. Once I was able to do that, like, and once I could, like, download the episode and take my time and watch it and really nitpick it, that's when I started to come become really obsessed. Because I would rewind moments, like, eight or nine times. Yes. Because it's so fascinating to see certain reactions and the fact that I'm like, this is a reality television show and this is happening right now. 
Well, that's why, I mean, there's a specific question I have for you about Potomac, but before we get there, so what is your favorite, I mean, it's hard when you're working on a project, you know, you're creating with this, but you also still sort of need to enjoy Bravo. You know, it's like you're working in both worlds. So for me personally, I always watch episodes at least twice. I watch the first time for me, which oftentimes means I'm paying 50% attention because I'm like doing other stuff. And then the second time I watch it and I'm taking mental notes of like, here's a moment I need to unpack. Here's a moment I need to unpack. And I may get to one of those moments if I remember when I'm recording AG or I may get to all it like just sort Mm. of kind of depends on the conversation. But how does that, you know, working on um, hosting the Bravo Breakdown, how does that factor into your enjoyment of watching uh, the shows as a fan? I think. Luckily for me, with my acting background and mm-hmm. all the acting classes I've taken, what I've gotten mm-hmm. drilled into my mind is like, what makes a good performance is behavior. So like, mm-hmm. I really am fascinated by human behavior. Like I enjoy dissecting mm-hmm. behavior. It's so like the way Ramona, her mannerisms, Ramona's mannerisms, I would love to see an actress play the role of Ramona Sigurd because there's so much there. Her, the, her mm-hmm. inner child and like all the stuff in her childhood and then the way her eyes are and her speech, how she's like, sorry, sorry, like everything about her. She, people love to hate her, but she's one of the most fascinating housewives to me. So that part of the Bravo breakdown, I will always love, even if I'm mm-hmm. doing it or not doing it. I love watching it in that way. I don't think I'll ever watch it like in passing. I would never do something else and watch the housewives. It's just, unless mm-hmm. it's an old episode, but if it's brand new and anything else is happening, I'm pissed off. Don't talk to me, don't text me, nothing. I love that. I do have like genuine TV ADD. So I'm usually like also making a cup of tea, doing something else. It's really hard for me to focus the first time and I think it's because I know at this point, I know I'm never going to watch it only once. So like, right. I know it's almost like I'm saving myself a gift. I'm <laughs> covering certain things the next time. Um, but, I can see know, that. You, I can see right? that. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm a saver. Um, you know, you made a point of the fact that from your acting background that adds an additional layer of interest in studying the behavior of these housewives, which happens to essentially be the mission of Andy's Girls, which is unpacking the psychology behind the craziness. And I say this a lot to people. You know, I went to school for musical theater performance, and I often say that I got my degree in thoughts and feelings. And I think that's really important. I think it's uh, a curiosity that people have because it's been drilled into us to do all of the work and all of the packing, unpacking and hours and hours and hours of like making sure that we know every single moment of this person's life history, you know, before you start a scene. And I think it is, I think that's a really good point. It does add a layer of al- of almost like not comfort, but it feels like home a little bit yeah. when we're talking about behavior because that's what you would do all day, all day, totally. every day in class. Totally. Um, and which, also, did I ask, yeah. where, where did you go to school? Because I went to school for musical theater as well. I went to Marymount, Manhattan in New York okay, City. Okay, I went to your e- favorite I, city. Yes, my favorite city in the world. <laughs> I went to Elon. Oh, great. So you probably, is, we probably have friends in common. Wait, where is Elon? I it's know in North. Name. It's in North Carolina. Okay, great. But E-L-O-N. Yeah, yeah. But a ton of, like, my friends that you, like, I bet we have friends in common. I'm sure we do. I, it's, you know, it's, 
such a small world and I yeah. also did you know producing stuff on and off Broadway and so that's okay. you know a yeah. whole other I just had to throw that that's in a there. whole other podcast no but I love that I'm sure we have people do you know do you know like have you seen the Mean Girls musical have you heard or seen it um, I didn't go to it. I don't remember if I knew anyone in the cast. Okay, it wasn't okay. like necessarily my niche, but gotcha, um, gotcha, gotcha. I support it and all Broadway Yes, work. yes, 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 all, yes. All of, all of them. Count. All of them. All of them. All of them. I decided to make that connection. I was like, okay, musical theater is such a specific <laughs> niche. So it's I was like, very, okay, make sure that she knows and like, that I speak Oh, no, language. totally. And legit musical theater. Yeah. Like legit, I mean, yeah. the 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 wild world mm -hmm. of you know someone breaking you down and the hope that they rebuild at least a third of you back together um but because we're talking about thoughts and feelings yes. and because it is i don't really want to make this joke but like fight night a little uh -uh. it's the altercation it's like this thing I'm that scared. we've been i'm scared too and i i'm very scared about what is going to happen over the course of the season of Potomac? We're recording this. I'm on East Coast time. You're on Cali time. You know, Potomac is going to get here before we know it. I'm essentially probably going to start watching it. I never watch the shows live. I'm going to watch live tonight because I feel like it's history being made. But yeah. I'm very concerned about the waves of like aftershock and action that are going to happen after this. I'm I'm nervous about how this is going to affect fractures that already sort of exist Man. but are kind of bubbling below the surface on Potomac, you know? Yeah. I'm nervous about how this is going to kind of light a fire. Yeah. That's all so I mean. I that's all yeah, I can I agree. That's all I can say. Like I'm just like I have chills. Like it just it's just <sighs> to be in a physical altercation, I cannot imagine cuz like even me, like, this is why I can never be on a housewife. Because when I, if I get in an argument, I can't breathe. Like, I automatically can't breathe. Like, my, my body, I have no control over what's happening to me. So to be in a fight, I just, it just sounds terrifying. I mean, I'm like Candy. I usually cry when I'm angry. Like, I'm like that person right. where I don't express anger until it gets to that point right. where it's, I'm already at a 17. And so my eyes are, like, tearing because I'm so frustrated. Mm -hmm. I have gotten into one physical altercation in junior high school in chorus when myself and somebody else got into a tip and we did a thing where you're like, it's like the joke of like how, how guys would joke about how girls fight where you're like flapping your hands at each other. Mm -hmm. And we actually did that because neither of us knew what we were doing. So we flapped our hands at each other and got sent to the principal's office and called it a day. Oh um, but that's kind of been the extent of it for uh, Sarah <laughs> G over hilarious. here. But I have to ask you, I mean, this is a question I think on everyone's minds, on America's minds, the night that Donald Trump's tax records are finally released, my number one question is, whose side are you on, Candace or Monique? Going into this fight, only with the last three, within the last three episodes have I come to okay. this. Okay, I know you're about to say something. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I know, so I know something's about to happen. I'm, I'm Team Candace at this moment, only based off of the, la the, the most recent story arc. Prior to that, I was Team Monique. I've always been more of a fan of Monique than Candace. But whether they can say, oh, it's the way it's edited or there's stuff we don't know, okay, that's fine, but I'm watching the show. I'm not, I don't care enough to like dig and go on gossip blogs and find out all this like stuff. I don't care that much. I'm going off what I'm my 40 minutes that I'm going to watch every Sunday. That's what I can go off of. And from what I can tell, Monique was tripping real hard at the lake house with all that fire pit, that bullshit. She was tripping. 
And then that carried over into when they got back to the city. And in addition to all the other stuff that they haven't actually sat down and had a conversation about. So I feel like it's a buildup of that and also the mm -hmm. stuff with her husband, you know, and we're seeing as the episodes are starting to unfold, mm -hmm. Chris is not as much of a, you know, a low voice teddy bear as we all want to think he is. Mm -hmm. He very much wants Monique to play the part. Mm -hmm. You keep the home, you take care of the kids, you do it all. And I'm going to show my appreciation for you if I feel like it, but you're going to do it because it's my money. And I'm starting to get that vibe. Mm -hmm. And I think the anger, the frustration of that is coming out as well because Monique, obviously she wants to be a strong, powerful black woman. Kind of mm -hmm. similar to Portia. You're in mm -hmm. that position and then you start to get your own light. You start to step into your own light and then you have that sort of struggle with, okay, I want to play this role for my husband, but I mm -hmm. also want to feel like I'm being true to myself. So I think she's taking that also out on Candace because Candace, Chris is a great supporter of Candace. In yeah. my opinion, Candace married up in, she my, really in did. my humble opinion. So He's maybe amazing. Monique might be slightly jealous of that, although Monique has a picture perfect marriage and a picture perfect family, but her husband is not super supportive of her endeavors. Her husband thinks that his financial support is enough exactly. or more important than emotional support. Yeah. And it really makes you think when you get to that scene of her saying, you know, I've spent $200,000, which P.S. guys, Ridiculous. she's not saying she spent on the podcast. She's saying she spent it on her company, whose name, by the way, nobody understands when you when you're when you're enough of a business person to know that you have to explain the title of your company and say repeatedly, it's a joke. What I mean is the opposite of this thing. You have to know my humor to be a consumer that is not a great indication but when she says she spent two hundred thousand dollars which i'm sure is on like rent for the office salary for people graphic design that she absolutely was unbelievably overpriced i am sure without seeing any of those receipts whatever else you know finances how finances came into play and she's saying two hundred thousand dollars matter of fact maybe she's saying that to him because she's like listen in her head he's saying to her the only you're asking me for emotional support i'm giving you financial support so for monique it's like okay i'm gonna take it you know i'm gonna take two hundred thousand dollars and spend it on this thing that i need for myself and you have to support it because i need your support and all i'm getting right now is a check i mean there has to be some element of that i don't know that it's seeking revenge but i do think she absolutely believes in herself, which is great. And, and being a businesswoman, I think the title, <laughs> the branding is remains a deep issue. But I also think she believes that because it's coming at a, a pretty great cost, I don't know, maybe that's where like mutual respect can be had. I don't know if that makes any sense, but there seems to be some sort of connection between his misunderstanding of emotional support and financial support mixing in with her need to have a role for herself outside of their family home and also using a ton of cash in order to do so. It's tough. That's a lot of yeah. money. And then your yeah. podcast event has 300 seats and you've sold 20 tickets. And you're saying I need to do stuff big. You, you truly don't. I know. You really, truly don't. It's sad. It's really sad. And how it, what is, what's the thing that's going to monetize here? It's not, she's not going to be able to monetize the podcast to the extent of the amount of money that she's 
invested. So what is she monetizing? Like, is she hoping that people buy I'm not a bad mom or whatever mugs? Like, is that really a kitchen apron that somebody is going to want to put on? Right. How does that? I don't get it. I don't don't get get it. it. I also don't get the title. I know. And none of it makes sense. People were saying that it's like, oh, it, it stands for NFL moms. Like, she's an NFL mom. Also, like, for the football. So it's, I mean, couldn't you be like, I'm a touchdown parent? Like, isn't there another way to say? I know. She's saying, like, I'm an, like, you know, I'm a wife of an NFL player. So don't forget, that's really who I am. But I'm also not a lazy mom. It's but, weird. And, it's weird. And then she follows it up with, but there's no such thing as a lazy mom. Right. If there's no such thing as a lazy mom, couldn't it be literally any other Anyone. title but this one? Anything. Because the thing with like Skinny Girl, which is a terrible example because that's like the number one empire from Housewives. Or you could even say it like with Ramona Pino Grigio or or anything else. I mean like Yummy Tummy. Why am I only pulling out New York examples? I don't know <laughs> what to tell you. Um, Candy Coated Nights. Uh, Candy Coated Nights. Like you don't – it's not – um. Uh, it, it, you you could know that person. You could be buying into it because you know them from the housewives or not. But you don't start with it being like a false narrative because someone would somehow know that you're joking. You're starting with a term that people find insulting. Yep. And your response to that is like, no, it's humor. Surely you know that I don't believe this. You've lost me but from see, the start. This is the thing with Monique. Did you watch Candace on Watch What Happens Live? I did. I did okay. watch Candace. Okay. Yep. Now, this is what I, an example of what I feel about Monique is like, there's a few screws loose. Yeah. And so that's when stuff like that happens. She needs someone really intelligent working for her because, but then she's such a control freak. So they just end up yes mamming her. And so these are all her brilliant ideas. So I feel like she doesn't have someone on her team that's like, nah, that don't make sense. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because she doesn't, she's not that smart. How do you compare that with Candace? Oh, right. Though? So Candace basically said that was saying that she was like mentally delayed. Monique is very, very focused on, I think, self-preservation, which makes a lot of sense for somebody who needs to be in control. Candace, I think, operates with a full lack of self-control. They both have, in many ways, similar problems. They're both pretty reactive. It just so happens that Monique appears to be angry and upset at Candace and also utilizing passive aggressive behavior, which is not a great counter for Candace, who kind of like sucked it up at the lake house when Monique was sort of trying to provoke her. And there comes a point where it's too much. I mean, what we've seen so far of the pre altercation, the pre party is, I think, correct me if if I'm wrong, but Monique started it by Giselle was asking, you know, how or Giselle or, or maybe it was Ashley was asking, um, uh, you know, Candace, what is your relationship like with Monique or how are you guys doing? And Monique sort of started going in in a pretty passive aggressive manner that wasn't necessary. That is yep. very, very easy to escalate. Yep. And then it just built from there. And, you know, the detail that I mentioned at the start of AG of this episode was there was a moment that I rewatched and I wanted to get your thoughts. And I talked to somebody about this before we started recording who was like, I'm not really focused on that kind of minutia, which I totally understood. But 
when it comes to the mechanics of responsibility for physical altercations, Mm -hmm. I think many of us have had serious conversations, like acknowledging the fact that for me, Kenya had to be incredibly accountable and responsible for the incident with Portia at the reunion. Portia escalated it to physical violence. That's never okay. But Kenya was to, in my Kenya was very focused on escalating a very tense situation physically with props, with noise. It was, she was, Kenya was like looking for a response and she got one. Yeah. I'm watching that scene with Monique and um, Candace and guys, PS, a bunch of you are going to be listening to this after you've already seen the episode tonight. So I'm curious for your thoughts and how this will match up, but it looked like Monique grabbed Candace's hair which is not ideal not like yanked it she flipped it but like in 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 she by Shrey's term she like shifted it a little like she you know she just kind of touched it which was like a little bit of a I've got you Mm -hmm. and then it looked like Candace nudged her I don't know if that's Hmm. real I don't and I could have been seeing things I was like watching it and like I just I'm so curious about the chain of events leading up to this thing that we're going to see. It looked like they were sort of gauging how quickly to cross each other's boundaries. And that trial period lasted like 0.03 seconds. Yeah. I did not. See, I don't know about the nudge. I didn't see. I don't it. know about the nudge. I don't. I think I could be wrong. I just. I've. I watched it a couple times, but because I. But it happens so. It's so quick. Yeah. If there. If there tough. was a nudge, then the fight was inevitable. There was no way that there wasn't going to be a fight because it's like. And the nudge only happened after Candace. And this, after, uh, sorry, Monique after Monique flipped her hair. Right. And Monique. All I know is like, even if they're, let's say, let's say Monique touched her hair and let's say Candace didn't nudge Monique. And then Monique flipped her hair probably at least three times more after that. So whether she did or not, I didn't see another nudge happen. So it was mm-hmm. like, Monique was like, I'm going to keep flipping your hair until mm-hmm. we, you make another move. Like I felt that the hair flip was happened so many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anytime you invade someone's personal space and they were already pretty close together in that little circle, it's not a great idea. Like, it's just not in a very tense atmosphere mm. with two women who are on incredibly separate sides of the spectrum of who is responsible for the state of affairs in which, you know, we currently live, where we have gone from sort of dealing with each other to some passive aggressive moments to questions about maybe what Candace has done behind the scenes with um, Sharice and anybody else to like true rage. Bubbling, bubbling rage that then comes out for like seven or eight seconds. It sucks because like the combination of everything leading up to that moment, it was just like, as soon as there was that space of time for it to happen, Mm -hmm. whenever Whenever uh, Karen said, oh, Candace, you're acting real nice now that you're tips. And then here go Monique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's nice when she's drunk. That was the first, to me, that was the first aggression because Karen said it in a light way. And mm-hmm. Monique like, oh yeah, she's nice when she drinks. And then here goes Ashley. Oh, speaking of you guys being nice to each other. Right. 
How is everything going? And then that was that was her opportunity to open. And also, Ashley, let me take the attention off of me. Here's a moment for me to switch mm -hmm. gears. What's going mm -hmm. on here? Because she's tired of being in a hot seat. And as soon as she shined a light on them, it was it was just takeoff. With the alcohol, when you have a buzz like that going on, and then you're already running off of the adrenaline of talking about Ashley's threesome, so everybody's got this adrenaline high, and they're thinking mm -hmm. they're getting ready to rap. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, Giselle was like, okay, well, on that note, everybody have a good night. Thank you for coming. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know that feeling of when the party's over, but you're, you're not, your buzz is still going. You don't want it to end yet. So it's like that, de that desperation to ride that high out. And then, mm -hmm. boom. Do you think, I mean, there was a moment that Monique referenced that I was like, oh, you are reaching right now. Yeah. Where she said... Candace mentioned or, or however it came up that Monique was pretending to be asleep at the lake. Yeah. House. Yeah. And Monique's response was, you have no idea. How dare you? You <sighs> don't have kids. Ridiculous. Two parter. Do you think Monique was faking? And do you think she was in any way successful with that defense? Yes, she was faking. Yeah. And yeah. her defense was horrible and stupid. That's what I'm saying. Like, she doesn't yeah. know how to think through what she's saying. She says stuff that like kind of makes sense, but not really. Mm -hmm. So, and I want to be like, okay, maybe she was, maybe she was asleep. But if you were asleep, why are you asleep? You're still filming. You know that people are leaving. And if that were Ashley or anybody else, why didn't Chris wake her up as her husband? Be like, hey, babe. There you go. They're leaving. So I feel like Chris knew she was fake. He's like, let me just let her sleep. Let I don't stay in women's business. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, she says she's the consummate hostess. Right, bitch. Why you sleep? <laughs> so I don't, I don't buy it. I don't, I don't buy it. I don't oh, believe man. she was asleep. Like, I feel like if she really were asleep, Chris would have been like, oh, she's asleep. Let me wake her up. She wouldn't want to let her leave like that. Chris knew she wasn't asleep. That's why he didn't wake her up. And yet, regardless of Monique's mistakes, I'm nervous for her because who is on her side in the cast? Isn't this an excuse for Giselle to be like, listen, I maybe tried to say some stuff about um, your youngest child not being Chris's didn't work out. Maybe tried to work behind the scenes about the trailer, uh, tra not trailer, trainer stuff didn't work out. Now here's this new thing that we have on camera, which is you like maybe assaulting like a cast member that is going to work out. And I can rally people around this because at the end of the day, there's no excuse for physical violence. So she can use that. Like it works to the advantage of people who were already not necessarily aligned with Monique. I just wonder if they're going to align with Candace. Like just because they're not team Monique doesn't mean they're team Candace. But if they're not team Monique, what's the conversation with Candace? Like is anybody going to say to Candace – you bear responsibility for escalating this, regardless of what she said about you not having kids, regardless of anything else. You participated in this. Like, Monique doesn't – Monique comes from a place of um, defensiveness and reaction. Yeah. Candace is completely incapable of taking responsibility. Yeah. So how's that going to go? I mean, she, she does a – you know, she says a great – um, she'll have a great clip moment on Watch What Happens Live. She'll be able to defend herself pretty well against questions that were relatively tough from Andy. And um, I didn't like the way Andy's angle was. He was coming at her. He wasn't coming at her on a like unbiased. 
it was very clear that he was trying to be like, so are you going to take accountability for having that knife? Like, whoa, Andy. Like, you're making, he was, I didn't like the way he was coming at her like that. I mean, and he did say something around the lines of like, you told her to drag you. She was just following your Yes, yeah, stop, Andy. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because you watch the clip back. Mm -hmm. Monique said, I'm will drag you, bitch. Pregnant and all. She was the first one to threaten Candace with a drag. Candace didn't just come out of her ass and say, drag me. So, right, Candace was, no, Candace was referencing, like, in a, essentially an iconic moment from a previous Right, season. and that's what they do on these shows. And she got the mm -hmm. knife out as what she does. So for Andy to sit there and try to be like, aren't you going to take it? It's like he's trying to, like, make her take accountability because he feels bad about the way he handled the whole Kenya and Portia situation. Because he cut Portia off the show. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe it's because he didn't necessarily hold Kenya accountable. Exactly. Making sure to try to represent the exactly. other side. Exactly. But you can't but do that. This is a very different situation. You can't do that. I didn't like. That's one of the first time where I've watched Andy. And I didn't like the way he was the questions because obviously he knows he's oh this is from a viewer like obviously he knows the questions and I didn't feel like he was being fair. Hmm. In the in the even just the tone that he was asking the questions and I felt that Candace was having to defend herself when if, if she's going to defend herself make her defend herself from the things that she should own she shouldn't have mm -hmm. to own saying drag me like come on and PS I've heard from a couple people who have had access to the screener that something crazy happens yeah. and it's not about the altercation it's, it's about something, something later. Else. And Karen has alluded to it on social yeah. media today. Like, there's something wild that happens, and I truly have no idea what it could be. Well, like, this is the interesting is you guys are listening to this yeah. now, AGs, and, like, you'll know. I truly, I have, I, I wish I could guess. I have literally no idea unless it's, like, Monique walking off. But that's not, that wouldn't be the shocker that no people idea. are alluding to. I have no idea what it could be. I don't think it's anything involving Candace. If it's, God forbid, it's something involving Michael, I'm tapping out, which means I'm continuing to watch and talk about it for 800 hours a week. What does tapping out mean? Tapping out means doubling down, but like, what? I, I don't know. Not, I don't think, it, I don't think anybody, apologies in advance, God bless, literally and figuratively, but I don't think people care about like Giselle and Jamal enough for it to be something having to do with that. And it's not Karen. I don't know. Dr. Wendy has four degrees. We know it. It's a surprise that she has five. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but I do feel like we need to talk about the Ashley Michael stuff because that factored in a massive way into um, the mechanics of this episode and also once again breaking the fourth wall. We saw producers involved and on camera on Beverly Hills this week in Secrets Revealed and um, in that scene with Ashley and Michael where Michael is essentially again tapping out and saying I've given you guys enough I've been through enough we're talking about serious things I'm done and Ashley is saying essentially you did this to yourself you know what we signed up for you're gonna be in the hot seat like I don't know maybe I'll get you some ice but aside from that like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. It was what what did you think about that whole scene about his defense? Because about drunkenly falling asleep, but making sure remembering <laughs> to take your clothes off. Magical. It was laughable. It really was. I was like, wow, this is insulting. Like for if, if my man sat there and told me that mm -hmm. I would be like, just get out of my face. Don't tell me like, come on. So you went home with a stripper and you passed out. You woke. Come on. You obviously had sex. And I don't believe that Ashley even believes that. I just think that's just what they're saying, like, on TV, because it's like, whatever, like, 
they don't need to tell everybody their business like why would she really believe that if they've had open like it just doesn't make sense to me it seems like they have an open relationship he fucked her even though they said that they were going to be closed right now and then that's it they're going to keep on being together but it, this is a genuine question. Yeah. Does having a threesome with someone mean that you're in an open relationship or does it just mean you're inviting someone into your bedroom? Because to me, an open relationship means that with that, whatever boundaries, because every yeah. relationship has boundaries of some sort. To me, an open relationship means you are open to see other people or in whatever structure every yeah. relationship and, and marriage or whatever is different. To me, it seems like Ashley was comparing bringing someone else into the bedroom with that being an explanation for Michael's behavior. And yeah. yet with Michael, she doesn't see that comparison at all. So it was like a little bit of a bait and switch to me. Yeah. Of like, well, you know, we're not a traditional, we're not in a quote unquote traditional marriage because we have had sexual experiences with another person in the bedroom, but I am of course, super pissed at him for maybe cheating on me. And he's definitely, we're, we're definitely done if he does it again which is very different to me than like, are you in an open relationship right. where maybe he's done wrong by not telling you about this thing or being caught publicly, mm -hmm. but there is some sort of understanding. Yeah. No. Like, did he cheat on her? How could he not? It, it's, I, I mean, in the he, sense of like, it's obvious he did, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I don't know. I feel like they were, she did a video on her page and she was saying that she has been with other people as well. So I feel like they were supposed to be closed at that time. Wait, she has been with other people without, without Michael? him. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the thing at the end of this week's episode. Maybe then it's like, maybe somehow, but I just feel but like maybe they were, had an agreement that like while she was pregnant, that they were going to be closed and he wasn't going to go to strip club. And they hadn't like had the conversation yet that it was like, now you can go back to strip clubs. Or maybe it was always closed plus threesome. Yeah. And he cheated on her and maybe she also did the same on him. And it was always yeah. closed, which is such a strange set. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, like they both have cheated on each other, but they've also had threesomes. But him going out and having a threesome is cheating because he did it behind her back. Because I do remember her saying something, maybe it was on IG, along the lines of, like, he's forgiven me. Yeah, so something like, like that. Yeah, from being with other people. Yeah, I need her to unpack that. I need some more specifics. I know Michael isn't going to love it, but truly, who cares? He's done enough. A part like, of me, a part of me is just like, I don't care because if whatever they have going on, if she's fine with it, then it's like, okay, well, she's fine with it. But she's obviously not fine. But that's the story she wants to tell us. Like, she's pregnant with her second kid. She's just like, I'm moving oh on. Oh, my God. You know, it's just like, what are you going to do? Make the girl that tell the truth? She's not going to tell what she unless she wants to tell. The entirety of social media when she made that pregnancy announcement was, like, honestly a pregnant pause. We all were like, dot, 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 mazel tov. I know. Like, sweetie. Okay. And, and did you see when she went on Watch What Happens Live, like, the day that when it came out? She was oh, on she I was did. on Watch What Happens Live and like every question that Andy was asking her, she was answering it like in like defending Michael. Like she was like Well, I mean, yeah. It just seemed like she was like, We're moving on and we've you know, we've decided that together and it is what it is. I mean, unfortunately for her, or maybe fortunately, she's now said 
and she has every let's normalize people changing their minds but she said you know i if he does this again i'm out so best wishes yeah i mean you know I don't know. We're both shaking our heads. It's like, we'll just see. We'll, we'll just see. Cause see. I, I, you know, cause the thing about me is like, I really have like a respect for a bitch that is, it's not coming from a place where she was necessarily going to be financially set up for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. Even had, even if she had been on the housewives, you know what I'm saying? Cause you never know how mm-hmm. long you're going to be on the show, what products mm-hmm. you're going to be. You don't know. So mm-hmm. I feel like she comes from a home with a single mom who struggled her mm-hmm. whole life. She starts mm-hmm. working at this man's bar and then ends up dating the owner of the bar. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. her to be able to sort of have control of her life financially, mm-hmm. I can understand her trying to hold on to that, even just for that, even just for the money mm-hmm. aspect of it, even just for the security of her kids. But that's kind of where I'm like, she's just in survival mode, I feel. And I think she has this like dad complex. I think for her, it goes beyond the financial support because she knows the papers that she signed and whatever she's negotiated as far as a post-nup. And um, I think because of all that stuff with her dad and like dating someone significantly older and being in a spot where she feels like she has to essentially take whatever he is throwing her way and try to make it work. Make it work. He is like that dog that gets in trouble for getting into like the trash can and it's looking at you like, oh, this me who me. And it's can't you see how sad I am? That's enough. I'm punishing myself. You know, oh. I was sad. I was lonely. I oh did this thing, but not really. You know, I was craving well some gone. of that. I was craving some of that intimacy. You were craving it. Really? Oh, when he said that, I was just like, I'm. I just, he's so unworthy of her. I know. It's frustrating. But I did appreciate at least the moment where, you know, the producer is there and is trying to pacify him and also, you know, get the footage that's needed, um, which I think is helpful. I mean, the use of, I was talking about this with a friend earlier today, as the years go on and with the success of shows like Keeping Up with the Kardashians, which I think has mastered the art of breaking down the fourth wall in a really dynamic way, you know, the these shows, the Housewife shows, become more strategic and pointed about how they're breaking down the fourth wall because you don't always want to pop the bubble. Like, we want to feel like we're inside the universe, but if it does come down to something where it affects the plot or, you know, like what happened on Beverly Hills with Bravo Bravo or it's on New York with Dorinda losing her fucking mind against the cameras in the finale, it's helpful to shape the narrative. And I don't think yeah. it we necessarily lose the actual universe of the show, but I do just want to get your thoughts on the Denise scene. I mean, what were your what were you thinking watching it, watching uh, a little bit more of the context of the producer involvement and what Kyle and Denise were saying to each other in Secrets Revealed. Yeah. I just remember, I, I remember feeling like it felt like chaotic mm-hmm. and just like unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Like I remember watching mm-hmm. and thinking like, wait, what's happening now? Like I, I actually mm-hmm. wish I could go back and watch that scene because I just, re- I just remember like, Denise being caught in some sort of lie and then trying to like lie her way out of it and then mm-hmm. say bravo bravo and then the, she's like well call the producer over here and then the guy comes over there and he's like just stop lying basically mm-hmm. you because she had said that she didn't show up because she had to be on set 
but then she really didn't. Yeah, it's just so. She was, I don't. It's so petty. I'm like, what are we talking she about? She was saying that she didn't. She was saying that she did work. Kyle was saying you didn't. Then the producer was like, pretty exasperated, and came over and yeah. said, "Listen, we know you worked in the morning, and then whatever. Don't worry about it. Like, let's just keep." Okay, going. okay, like, so have this okay, so this is point. this is what it is. The only thing that I got from that scene was with the producer coming over in the manner that he did, with that much frustration towards yeah. Denise, that was all I needed to see. To me, that showed me that this is something that happens a lot. And he's mm -hmm. actually on her side, because what would he have to gain from coming out there and being like sort of aggressive towards her? So if somebody Absolutely. like that is reacting like that to her, then this that's is something indicator. that, exactly. So that's basically, I didn't really care about what the, the details of, oh, you didn't come early or you had, I didn't really care about that. What was interesting, like, was, was the producer coming over and being that annoyed with her? Because I'm like, if he's that annoyed, then you've already pushed him to the limit. Which, and I was shocked that he yeah. was so audibly frustrated. I mean, he was like, please put this aside. Like, this is not, this is not where the conversation needs to go. And you're so focused on the minutia of this yeah. one little thing that you're losing the bigger picture, which frankly is also representative of the season as a whole. Yeah. They were all very focused on one aspect that blew up instead of, unfortunately other stories that maybe weren't ever told which is yeah. why the focus was on this whole brandy denise stuff but it was tough i mean whose side were you on um denise v everyone else definitely denise just because the yeah. way the way that rena went about it i have never disliked rena prior to the mm -hmm. season even with the whole munchausen's thing i just mm -hmm. found her just she to me like i said she's an actress she's playing a part mm -hmm. she knows that we're on. She knows that when it, when the lights go up, she's on. So I had a respect mm -hmm. for her. I was like, that's fine. She's messy, but whatever. But this season, the way that she was so relentless and then the complete destruction of an actual friendship of decades, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. part to me was like, okay, where is the line? Mm -hmm. is, is it just fame and money at all costs? And if that's the case, okay, now I know that. But I think I thought that there was like a little bit left in her that, that where she would at least have a little bit of like a soft space for her friend. Just pull her aside for like a little second and be like, look, just so you know, like I'm going to come for you when we're on camera because I have to do it because this is a reality show. But that doesn't mean that I don't like you as a person, but it's a job. I feel like she didn't even have that type of conversation with Denise to let her know that I'm working right now. She just put her in front of the camera and has this bullshit crying session to make Denise respond to her fake vulnerability. But really she was playing the game all along, trying to be like, oh, well maybe I'm being manipulated. It's like, no, she just thought that you were being a real friend her in friend. that moment, but you never were, you never were. Once Denise, that's why she said I should have never bought Denise on the show. Because mm -hmm. Denise went into the show thinking that they were gonna actually have like their friendship similar to mm -hmm. her and Garcelle. That, mm -hmm. you know, cause Garcelle kind of blindly stood up for Denise regardless. She just always had Denise's back. And I think she thought that Rena was going to do that. Mm -hmm. And Rena didn't do that at all. And so that's what made me feel sad for her. I mean, the thing with Garcelle is I think Garcelle stood up for the truth at the end of the day. So she was like, listen, it's none of your business, but also I'd love to know what happened. Yeah. You know, like she was like, I, I because I feel like Garcelle's opinions were always informed and Rena's were always antagonistic. And there was no better example of the total hypocrisy of Rinna than the fact that as soon as this season ended, Rinna posted an IG story that was like, um, 
you tagged Bravo and said something along the lines of like, don't we miss when yeah. Beverly Hills was fun? We don't want to fight. Tell Bravo, a.k.a. bombard Bravo and tell them that we just want to be love and light and have fun. And it's like, sweetie, no. there were how many times that Denise was saying, can we please have fun? You know, put this away. Let's move on to other stuff where Rinna refused right, to or right. was so gleeful about the idea of conflict. And now she's like, oh, this might turn against me next season. I just want to dance, you know, yeah. and that's not that's not where we are. Nope. And that's and also, you and you brought us that's there. not who she is. Yeah, right. you got us there. And the thing with Garcelle is like what you were saying is like. Garcelle, when I say blindly support Denise, Garcelle was never going to go against Denise. She may not have like oh, vocally stood up for her. Like she only vocalized her support for Denise when she really was informed. But if there mm -hmm. were ever a moment where she saw a crack, she never said mm -hmm. it. She'd never mm -hmm. say it. And I think that's what she expected from Rena. She didn't expect Rena to like, you know, stand up for her at any cost. But Dorena mm -hmm. went out of her way to expose her. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I mean, that when nobody acknowledged Denise's tears at that part three, mm -hmm. Nobody oh God, acknowledged it. I was like, are that you are you kidding me right now? I'm done. Like, that is just so cold. It's like, wow, you want fame that bad. Like, you want to drive this storyline home and get whatever you think you're going to get out of exposing this woman that bad that you don't give a damn about her. It's sad. I mean, on a happier note, rest in peace, Teddy. Oh, God. Which I talked about, guys. I talked about it at length on previous Andy's Girls episodes, and I devoted a lot of time on Patreon to talking about it. So all I can say is au revoir. You know, carrots for everybody. Yeah, she is. I'm when they actually like fired her. I was like, okay, Bravo. Because sometimes Bravo, I'm like, ugh. But that was a good way of them listening to the people, seeing it's like we, she's not necessary. Like we don't need her. Like let it go. And that's an important point to make because there were people who were also like, wow, way to hold someone accountable for a dangerous business. Guys, she was not fired for that. No. If anything, being viral, going viral about All In may have helped her stay on the show regardless of how it was used on camera. But she needed to go because her story was done. It never actually really began, no. but like shadow season done and done. And the Daily Beast even put out an article, I think, today with women going on the record about their experiences and the horror show that is um, being a part of All In. And it's like, this isn't going away anywhere. She may have left. She may, you know, be gone from RHOBH, but she's not gone from the news and the press. And it, the conversation should continue. And my thought was like, if you want to pretend that she got fired because of this horrific business, I have no problem with it because it, to me, just um, creates a little bit of a tornado of press. So if this news helps continue the conversation about All In, great. But do I think she was fired for it? Absolutely not. No. I don't Absolutely not. And not in the Bravo world where, like, Ugh, deception and anything else so that we haven't experienced this specific scenario before typically um, helps someone, even though it may or may not be addressed. Yeah. Um, listen, I want to get your thoughts on New York. That was so, a weird part yeah, the, three. The part what did you was, think? It was just like, eh, like the whole thing yeah. with, the, with the text messages and like, I'm just so mm -hmm. sick of looking at Dorinda. Like I'm just done with her. Like I don't even, I wish you had been gone at part two. I wish that after, uh, uh, her name uh tinsley? tinsley after tinsley exposed her i wish they had just walked her right on out the door i'm like okay i'm good on you bye 
I mean, I miss Tinsley. Like, yeah. part three, I thought it was tough. When Dorinda started, you know, trying to be vulnerable and talking about her pain, and Ramona opened that drawer, I actually honestly instinctively thought, like, oh, my God, this is great. She's going to get her tissues or something, like, COVID-related, and we're going to have, like, a real moment of honesty. And then she pulled out papers as Sonia was saying, like, no, don't do it. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, Sonia's right, even though she was in the background saying just whatever. The whole Sonya. reunion. That's the, the only reunion. thing she did was shout out random shit in the background. Random stuff. Just echoing. Just <laughs> literally echoing. She was the echo for anybody. Except when she said something in direct conflict to what the other person was saying, just so she could have a voice. I think she was probably positioned terribly. They did a great job with, like, you know, the way that they were able to strategically film safely, hopefully. But she was in a bad spot where she was sitting. And I think she just felt like I'm going to try to lobby some balls. But mm -hmm. nobody was paying attention at all. The only and time just chatter, the only time she got attention was talking about her weight or her water pills yeah. or her drinking. Everything else was just her like throwing in stuff on the side. God it's love weird. her. It was not it was not her greatest reunion. I mean, it's amazing to me that Dorinda walks out of this reunion acknowledging that she probably shouldn't have been on this season to begin with, and yet she does not have a problem with rage. She has a problem with needing to be more empathetic. And that breakdown of admission and emotional honesty is honestly like a, a, a punch to the gut. It was, uh, to me, it was tough to watch, like, I think Lou gets it more than anybody else. And Lou is trying to hold her accountable. But Dorinda is incapable mm -mm. of acknowledging the truth that we all saw every week. Yep. And that is wild. Yep. And even further is that, like, even if she were to acknowledge it, self-knowledge avails us nothing. That's the first step. Mm. Even if she were to lay out every defect of character that she had in so mm -hmm. clearly that wouldn't even matter to me mm -hmm. unless she is willing to actually think that those things need to be changed and there actively put in the work to change each and every character defect then it's mm -hmm. meaningless that's why when she kept saying she kept saying anyway you know what you're right i need to work on that yeah you know what you're right i'm gonna she's not going to she's out here getting drinks with bethany talking bethany's ear off being a victim you know what i'm saying and speaking of the Bethany aspect, I wasn't expecting this from Andy, but I fucking loved it when she was going in about how dare Tinsley leave. And I think it was Andy who interjected and said, like, just so you know, Tinsley was in discussion with myself, the network production over a period of time. We were all on the same page mm -hmm. and you're taking issue with what was a group professional decision right bethany called us the day before mm. filming started and we were in a tailspin and yet she's so focused on tinsley yep. leaving who at least gave half a season and left because you yourself isolated her to the point that it was no longer healthy or safe for her to continue shooting with you guys yet bethany is her current ride or die like make that makes make sense no sense. Head. Make that make none sense. None whatsoever. None. 
it makes so little sense that Andy himself is like, why aren't you pissed at Bethany? I know, I know. She did so much more damage and had so much more influence and power and focus on the storyline than Tinsley ever would. I know. Like, we want to talk about the fucking coupon cabin. I know he brings with him a lot of gravitas when it comes to, like, ad buys. But that's not this Bethany Frankel. You're cool walking away in a relatively unprofessional manner. Right. You know, versus Tins. Really? I know. And it's that it's that sort of, you know, what they call the blue eyed gangsta. Mm-hmm. Dorinda knows or she thinks she knows she's going to win in a battle with Tinsley because she's nasty or she's meaner. Bethany is quick. Bethany Mm -hmm. can go toe-to-toe with Dorinda. Mm -hmm. So Dorinda, she's not the one, Bethany's not really the one to mess with. Like I found, Mm -hmm. I put a clip in one of my breakdowns of the scene where Bethany and Dorinda are on that private jet after Mm -hmm. Dorinda showed her bare ass, not literally, but like she got wasted that night. And then, you know. About Haiti. What the, and Bethany straight out told the bitch she's a drunk. Yeah. And Dorinda did not react in the way that she reacted if anyone else told her that. She actually received it. She was like, well, uh, you know, I'm just under. And Bethany was like, no, you're a drunk. And she was mm-hmm. at, had a beat where she was speechless. Mm-hmm. So I feel that she would have never come for Bethany like that because she knows that Bethany will put her in her place. Tinsley can't do that. Tinsley, not, she doesn't, she's not like a fighter like that. She doesn't have the words. She doesn't have the aggression that it takes to go to toe-to-toe with someone Dorinda. So I don't think that Dorinda would have ever... She did that to Tinsley because Tinsley is an easy target. Tinsley doesn't translate her pain into... Aggression. In the sense of trying to make someone else feel bad. Right. Tinsley will defend herself. Yes. And did an excellent job on the reunion. But Tinsley's goal is not... She's not interested in redirecting and bouncing off abuse Mm -hmm. that's sent her way onto the other person she'll stand up for herself but she truly does not seem like the personality who wants to make anyone feel bad and feeling making someone feel bad is dorinda's number one weapon of choice so maybe there's an element of that too of like there's such a breakdown in how these people value other people even at the most intense moments where they could never connect. Yeah. And frankly, Dorinda, had she continued on next season, which would have been a mess, it actually truly was an avenue that I don't think existed. Yeah. Who would have been on her side? Like, there's a difference between empathy and accountability. And if she herself is like, I struggle with empathy, and also there's zero accountability, that's not somebody you want to work with, uh-uh. let alone film a TV show where you're pretending to be friends. Right. You know, if, if she's going to be that self-isolating. Right. She needs a timeout. And you have to have empathy. Empathy is the great equalizer. That's something that everyone can relate to. And if you lack that, people see that. it Like you said, it's very isolating. Mm-hmm. It's hard to beat Team Dorinda when she doesn't have empathy for anyone around her. She's in too much pain to acknowledge others because she sees their pain as maybe being a potential direct attack on her own. And I thought she raised some valuable. I thought her thing to Ramona of like, you didn't call me during the season. I thought that that was I understood that. I empathized with her in that sense where I was like, I hear you. You're saying that you're in a lot of pain regardless of your behavior. And you're looking at this person who's not contacting you personally. Um, 
to check in and see how you're doing. And Ramona's response was, here are the texts I sent you every day after production, which is not a response to what Dorinda was saying, which is, I was really struggling and I didn't hear from you. And I would understand Ramona's yeah. perspective of why she didn't get in touch because yeah. Dorinda why, why was a little she, bit of a ticking she? time bomb. But Why would she? And that's Dorinda. Like, she has this codependency way about her where it's like she will – make up with someone like and like she lacks boundaries like how that next day with luann she called her up she's like it was a rose and for whatever reason ramona is able to create boundaries with her and she's like no i'm not gonna let it be okay for you to treat me this way and then i'm gonna call you up the next day and so by ramona creating that boundary that exposes dorinda's lack of being able to do that mm-hmm. she doesn't have like her her relationships are very codependent like with her husband with her friendships like they're supposed to like be there for her no matter how she behaves Mm-hmm. that's what codependent the people that you know parents of addicts how they let them come back to their home no matter if they're mm-hmm. out in the streets whatever they're just mm-hmm. as sick as the addict so she likes people around her that let her behave however she wants to behave and if they well, don't yeah then they're not a good friend to her why would if, if i would want a real if i would want a friend of mine to not call me the next day and be like hey let me text you let me fill it out because i'm not going to let you mm-hmm. think it's okay to treat me like that yeah, it's the, the enabling of it all. The enabling. She's looking, she's the enabling. looking for permission. She's looking yes. for permission to um, communicate her pain in a way, in a that way is painful. That's, that's painful and it, that inflicts pain on other people. Right. And and when you don't allow her to do that, she's not okay with that. She only knows how to maintain like basically toxic relationships. And I just wonder where that stems from. I mean, Lou just kept referencing in the best way and saying, like, obviously there's something wrong here because you keep referencing me having gone to jail because you know it's hurtful. And Dorinda's response is like, no, there's no hurt there. I'm just like saying these things. But why are you saying them? You're saying them because you know it's a trigger for this person that you're trying to silence. So obviously there's something there it's you're you're not forgetting you're not forgetting that this is hurtful to her otherwise you wouldn't be bringing it up you know it's weird she's she is uh not emotionally mature enough to i believe be able to understand that unless she does some really intense therapy like she needs to really dissect her own trauma and really look at it because there's a lot going on there that she will never touch mm-hmm. because of fear. Mm-hmm. And it's sad because she's leading her life with fear. Like every relationship that she is engaged, it's just her fear is the driving force. So instead of letting someone get close enough to her for her to actually look at her own stuff, she'd rather just hurt them because that's an easy way to push mm-hmm. people away. And it's like you said, in, in a, like that whole fight where she's upset with Luann because she thinks that Luann is commenting on her drinking, but that's not what Luann was doing at all. Luann was coming back and saying what Ramona said. And then she's like, well, what about your DUI? What about your arrest? So even the thought, even the, even if even if she thinks that you're going to even mm-hmm. begin, she's automatically angry when Luann wasn't even saying that. I mean, she believes very strongly in killing the messenger is what she's doing. Like, how dare you deliver this information that you know I'm not going to like. So I'm going to punish you Ugh. for trying to be a friend and sharing something that she would have been pissed that had Luann not given her that info. So what was she supposed to do? There's well, no there's no there's winning. no winning. You can't win there's with Dorinda. No Including Dorinda. Dorinda can't win with Dorinda. She's out of a job. You oh, know, and, it and wasn't- how they're all like congratulating her so happy for her that she got a new boyfriend what 
That's the last thing she needs. Yeah. The last, so she can get in another relationship. Somebody is going to enable her because if she's still behaving the way she's behaving now, and then she's in a relationship, that means that person is affirming her, letting her think that it's okay to continue behaving this way. So where's the change going to happen? Somebody that needs that much work done doesn't need to date for like a year. She needs to just go so and right. focus on her own self for a year, not jump into a. When everyone was being so happy for her, I was like, wow, why? They were clapping when she said that she was in a relationship. And I think it was just a way of just like the lightest whatever of like yeah. because she brings with her so much darkness. Yeah. That this is something that even if the mechanics of it are flawed, are rusty, yeah. are not a good idea. <laughs> the overall feeling, honestly, is like, OK, here's something positive at surface level, which is the only level that Dorinda is currently interested in communicating, speaking and living. Yes. Like she is only able to do top level. Here's what I'm doing here. Maybe she can empathize with you. She seems like someone who carries with her a lot of other people's pain, which mm -hmm. is a choice that she makes. Yep. And she's now at capacity. So we're going to say love and light, God forbid, but we're going to say love and light. And, you know, you're in a relationship. Hopefully it's with somebody like relatively safe who isn't the John Modessian partier type or, you know, every week is ski season. And hopefully <laughs> something positive comes out of it. And, and hopefully this break for Dorinda won't harden her, but hopefully release her I don't know it's not going to happen without some sort of intervention and I don't mean that in terms of alcohol or any kind mm. of dependency mm. I just mean in terms of like necessary work and support mm -hmm. like she's got to break this open or not yeah if she doesn't break it open she's not going to have a job because they're not going to have her back no. if she's in the place that she is in now I don't know that she'll ever break it open because because of her privilege. I don't think she'll ever have to because she'll just keep on dating people that have mm -hmm. money and help her. You know, she'll maintain her lifestyle. And mm -hmm. just because she's not on TV, that doesn't, you know what I'm saying? She's going to be wealthy regardless. She's going to have money. I don't know how much money she actually has. I wouldn't be surprised if she's in a little bit of a tough pickle right now with finances. I think that was why Bluestone Manor flooding was such a huge um crisis for her not only because of like losing maybe belongings of Richards or just bringing up the fact that she has to handle this herself yeah and whatever else but I think if there's a huge financial element to that and I don't know I don't know how she's set up right now financially but I do know well, she's making a pretty penny in New York and she no longer gets that check so well hopefully that will you know shake her up yeah. financially and then she can hit bottom quicker the sooner she loses everything, the sooner she'll change. So hopefully that is the case. Yeah. And maybe COVID, you know, in a time in which there's so much stress and pressure and concern and fear, but also there's like an opportunity to take a little bit of time and just do like a self check of like, how am I feeling? What am I doing? Yeah. How can I take care of myself? What do I need? Like, what do I really need? And how can I get that safely? And I think... Yeah. If she's doing some sort of checklist and is at least marking a couple boxes that she didn't before, I think with Dorinda, it's going to be successes in small forms. It's yeah. Be small miracles, because that's the only way to get here. She's not interested in doing a whole. Oh, no, know, no, 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 no. It'll have to be fall. like little small chipping away. But what I want to know what your thoughts on on. I don't quite understand this sort of blind allegiance that Leah has towards Dorinda. Like, it's like Leah. What is that? 
I think what Leah was trying to say, I think, was regardless of what um, Dorinda said about Lou and the drinking and the jail stuff, putting that aside, Ramona releasing private medical information, regardless of a blog post, in order to create a narrative that Ramona could run about somebody else's mental and like physical health when it comes to, oh, if she's taking medication, whatever else, is a really, really nasty route that she strategized. She got information herself or through friends. She thought about it and she said it on camera because she knew that it would get enough attention and be included likely in the season. And I think what Leo was saying was like, Dorinda's bringing up information that is public knowledge. That's super hurtful. There's no reason for Dorinda to do what she did. There's no excuse. But Ramona is creating scenes and storylines based on information of which she is incredibly misinformed. She's adding to a narrative that is super uninformed about mental health care for mental health, um, uh, uh, the physical manifestation in many ways of dealing with and uh, trying to treat yourself for challenges through mental health. And that was like a bridge too far. That was a step too far. Okay. For Leah. I think that's what she was saying. Yeah. So for her personally, she has felt more like Ramona has hit below the belt, but like for maybe the general audience, it seems like Dorinda. Right. And I think that she forgot in the moment, or, or whatever, she didn't acknowledge the jail part, which is so obvious to so many people because Dorinda's done it so many times and it's been such a huge part of, you know, the season that, of course, Luann immediately interjected and was like, oh, you thought this was okay and held Leah accountable, which I thought was helpful. And I don't know that I agree with Leah, but I understood her perspective of where she was coming from when I watched the actual full episode. When I saw the trailer for the episode, I was like, you don't look great in this for saying Dorinda doesn't like hit low or below the belt or whatever language she was using when that's obviously not the case. I think what she was saying was Dorinda hasn't referenced my medical information, which is especially important considering I haven't discussed my medical information with any of you. Mm -hmm. You have obviously, regardless of whether she wrote something online or whatever else, Ramona got information through whatever channel and released it during filming in order to push back against Leo, which I thought was like incredibly distasteful. So do I think, I think also Leah and Dorinda share A connection. I think that they've bonded with each other. I think they sort of get each other. I think Dorinda is able to parent Leah or big sister Leah Mm -hmm. in a way that uh, is more organic and real than this weird comparison with Ramona. And I think that there's like a mutual respect with each other, which is also helpful. Um, And Ramona doesn't respect her. Yeah, and that's what it, it, it comes down to is that Dorinda... To me, Dorinda doesn't. To me, Dorinda is just as judgmental as as mm-hmm. the rest of them. Like how she re, how she behaved when she went to that party. How she was like, oh, the hip hop and being all like, oh, downtown. She's just as old school as the rest of them. She doesn't like those tattoos either. And how she said that, oh, Ramona called you a whore. Ramona never said that. That was what Dorinda. I believe that Dorinda thinks the same way towards Leah, but it doesn't really serve her to do that. That's interesting. I don't. 
I don't. I think that she does feel some of it, but not to the extent. Not to the extent, Sony. but it's there. And Leah enables her behavior because Leah is an AA. She knows mm -hmm. what's up with Dorinda. Why are you not calling her out? Why are you not telling her these things? I mean, I think Leah maybe doesn't feel like it's in her place. And also, why should she? If if Luann True. can't get to her and Luann's coming to the perspective of, I've been in national headlines relating to my misuse of alcohol right. and rage. You should respect my opinion because I've walked a walk that you have no interest in doing. Like, take my advice. I'm not saying that you were behaving as I did, mm -hmm. but I am saying that there's like, something here to unpack i think i don't think it would be in any way beneficial to leah and i also think they don't know each there's just there's no but history there dorinda said them. they talk on the phone every morning they do now but they don't they didn't when they were getting to know each other through the course of filming and i also think dorinda has made very very clear that she doesn't want to go near any of that stuff so if you want yeah. to be friends with her you that's have to true. acknowledge that no, there's that's a true. very there's like a boundary with a capital yeah. b and that's it and maybe and maybe leah's okay with it yeah. i mean and that's okay that's okay if they have the friendship that they have and at the end of the day this is a co-worker this is at the end of the day but i think that on new york it goes beyond that i think that there is a richness to the relationship that these women have because so many of them have been on this ride for so long yeah that there is and because so many of them have known each other for mm -hmm. so, so long before filming began, like Ramona and Sonia, regardless of how friendly they really were with each other, have been friends socially, whatever, for many, many years. And Ramona and Jill, you know, like there are a lot of uh, Dorinda and Jill, Dorinda and Ramona. It, that brings with it a level of um, like it brings with it heavier stakes than on franchises yeah. where you're like thrown together where Erica Jane doesn't give a shit about anything Teddy says, mm -hmm. but because they happen to align on this thing and because they're filming, okay, we'll like keep it real, shoot the shit. I don't see them going to brunch on a Saturday mm -hmm. versus on New York where I think these women do so socialize with each other. And I think they also, there is a lot of caring about each other. Yeah. You know, I think that there is, I think that's why Dorinda was so pissed at Ramona. She was like, we're really friends. Why aren't you calling me during the season when you know I'm lashing out? Cause I'm in a lot of pain. Like we're not just coworkers. Like we love each other, even though I kind of hate you right now. And that's yeah. why Ramona was like, you can continue to fuck with me. I'm always going to love you. Now, loving you and wanting to be in the same room with you are two different things. But mm -hmm. there is like a level of um, mutual admiration, I think, and respect and just time that these women share. I think when you've known someone in your life for that long and you've been through so many ups and downs and you're also on a motherfucking like very popular reality TV show with each other. Yeah that can bring you to it's like war wounds you know yeah it can bring you together and the, and yeah no totally and the castmate part or the co-worker part is sort of like with the like you were saying with the dorinda and leah it's like mm -hmm. maybe there are certain things that you don't go near that you maybe would do if they were not your castmate because you'd feel mm -hmm. the need to preserve that friendship even mm -hmm. more so than if they were your friend because you don't want to tarnish someone that you actually have to work with mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. i totally do 
Listen, I could talk to you about Housewives all day long, which means that you need to come back really soon. But I want to talk to you about the Bravo breakdown. So how can people follow it? What's a recap of your recaps to explain to the Andy's Girls listeners? Yes. And so what were you so, you know, we were talking about do have I lost the pleasure of like watching the show now because Mm -hmm. I'm doing the breakdowns. Mm -hmm. Like I was saying, Mm -hmm. like, I still enjoy watching them in the way that I watch them, which is very detailed because I've always been that way. But the biggest thing is the daunting cloud that hangs over me Mm. of of knowing the editing process. Mm -hmm. That really is the the only part because as I'm watching it, I'm already feeling that cloud just start. Mm -hmm. Like, you got to edit. You have to edit. Yeah. I hate the editing part. I I just Mm -hmm. cannot. That's the only part that makes me feel like it's not sustainable because in order for me to do the and you can relate to this, in order for me to continue Mm -hmm. doing the amount of editing that I'm doing, Mm-hmm. On top of all the other things I have going on, I have to have my Patreon. I can't right. do it without my Patreon. I just can't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. It'd be one thing if I was like just start, if I was like 18 or 22 in my early 20s, I was just like throwing everything at the wall and see what mm-hmm. sticks. But I've been acting for 12 years. Like I'm just like, I'm burnt out. I burn out with my acting stuff every day. Every day I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm done. I'm done. I'm not mm-hmm. doing, I'm going to decline. I, every time I get an audition and it's like eight pages, I'm like, I'm going to decline this one every time. Mm-hmm. And I end up doing it anyway. But that's how I feel. So in order to like maintain and like have some sort of balance in my mental health, the monetary part has been such like a a relief that that even Mm -hmm. I can even create that. You know what I mean? And so to understand the Bravo breakdown. So these are videos that you are producing, editing and hosting where you're talking about what's going on on camera and off. And you're also providing your perspective and narrative about fact checking what's yeah. happening on screen so it's a really nice medley of the two of both your personality your perspective as well as production and everything else mm-hmm. and so is it true that people can go see that at the bravo breakdown on instagram on igtv yes yeah and then also get exclusive bonus content including exclusive bonus episodes by going to yes. patreon.com slash the bravo breakdown yeah so right now because we only have potomac Mm-hmm. there's no other show so i'm only breaking down potomac on my patreon mm-hmm. and then i put up like small clips on my feed just like just as a teaser but typically like whenever roni and all of them were going on i would do like mm-hmm. roni on my patreon and then like beverly hills on my feed so mm-hmm. usually there's like two breakdowns happening at once but uh yeah so for right now there's only one but i'll probably cover salt lake city Mm-hmm. I'll watch a little bit of OC and see what direct, how it feels, what feels mm-hmm. right, what I want to shine yeah. a light. Cause I like, I am, I don't feel any sort of like, I'm not married to anything. Like I can start, like mm-hmm. I, I covered the first two episodes of Beverly Hills and then I didn't cover it for eight weeks, six or seven, mm-hmm. six weeks or something like that. Cause it wasn't interesting mm-hmm. to me. So mm-hmm. I just only covered Roni. So like mm-hmm. if I start watching OC and I'm like, I don't want to touch that, I'll skip it and then come back. You know what I mean? I don't Good feel like you. I have to be so black and white about it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, Orange County in particular, these women are like so far from like, I, like whenever I watch it, it's like these are the women that you don't get to see very often in this manner. These mm-hmm. really privileged white women, but like spinning out in the way that they are. Because it's different. Mm-hmm. Like we said, it's very different from Brony and Beverly Hills so, and, and Orange County. It's because it's Trumpy, but it's like California. So it's so weird. It's very weird mm-hmm. to me because I live in L.A., which is so liberal. And it's like an hour and a half mm-hmm. down the road. And it's a whole different It's so weird. It's so weird. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's, I think it's going to be for the people that are watching it. And I'm one of those people. I talked about it at length on my Patreon that I put up this weekend. It's, 
I am for mental health, and I've talked about it at length on Instagram. For mental health purposes, I don't see myself watching it. Yeah. But I can all, it's like, let's normalize changing one's opinion. Yeah. If I decide that I want to watch it, I'll do that. Like, I'm a grown ass woman, not, and no, I. Yeah, it's not. Where you don't have to, right. Nobody you said have, Bible, okay? I didn't say Bible. <laughs> Oh my God, who's your favorite Kardashian? I need to know. I actually really like Kim. That's the right answer. <laughs> and we all apologize when we say that. I was in a car. I spent the weekend in Rhode Island. Shout out to the Ocean State. And in the car on the way back, I was talking to my friend Erica. Shout out to Erica who schlepped me both ways to Rhode Island with her husband and baby in tow. Thank God for Erica. <laughs> we were talking about Kardashians, as one does. And I was like, my favorite is Kim. Her favorite is Kim. Yeah. We need to normalize saying that Kim oh. is our favorite Kardashian and that being okay. We know that people love Chloe. They're all very complicated. Chloe is very complicated. Mm -hmm. But I do think that Kim is the number one. I, love I don't Kim. know that Kim has always been my number one, but Kim has been my number one for a long time. Ah, she's just such a boss bitch. Like, I just love a boss. Like, she just keeps yeah. them coming. She's like, I got skims. I got this. I got that. I got this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Like, I just love it. And also, did you watch Paris Hilton's documentary? Yeah, I did. I loved, I think Kim has been incredibly respectful and great since she and Paris reconnected in saying, like, I, I owe my career to her. Absolutely. And, the, and guys, if you haven't watched the doc, it's really, really, I loved it. I thought it was really powerful. And Kim's participation in it, I thought was, like, very graceful. I yeah. really appreciated it. Listen, Absolutely. so we talked about your Instagram. We talked about your Patreon. We talked about everything happening forever and ever. Amen. Guys, on my Patreon, you can hear a bonus episode where I dive into satchels from all over the world, from Copenhagen, from Portland, from all over the place about Salt Lake City and Orange County and Potomac. And also while I was home, I put up some video of various videos and photos of my mom doing wild things. Okay. And I heard from several people, including OG of the AG, Damian Bellino, who were like, can you please record with your mother? So my mom, who has never watched a single Housewives episode, nor, as she said, watched Andy's Girls, which is an audio podcast. I recorded a full bonus episode with her playing clips of housewives oh moments including the table flip phaedra's due date aviva's leg drop and the bunny to get her feedback so that'll be on patreon this week and it's, let me tell you uh hilarious for real it like changed my life it was um it was magical and my mom was like so not thrilled about it that you could tell until the very end her opinion changed about the very end uh, at the very end about housewives in a really surprising way which i loved um hilarious right instagram at dame galley patreon.com slash andy scrolls let us know your thoughts and feels about this week's episode sasha you were a total delight i would love to have you back on the people's people's couch yes. anytime thank you so much for having me my pleasure. And now I'm off to watch Potomac. Yes. Fingers crossed. Yes. Oh, my God. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Hopefully. On the day before Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, I, I feel it. like a lot of people on Potomac are going to be atoning for whatever the fuck is about to happen in that weird wine yeah. situation. I just hope that after it airs, I, I still feel okay with my opinions that I have right now. You know what I mean? Like I, would, I mean, I hope so, because I... I don't know yeah. what... I don't think anything really could change. It would happen that's going to make me be like, oh, no, I'm Team Monique now. 
But I, that's what I love about having AG and having a timestamp when we're like right, uh, right ahead of an episode that could totally change our opinion is that this is where we are now and we may grow from this. Like, True. that's okay. That's actually, I think, great. If you are smart enough and mature enough to say, this is where I was at this point and with new information, I see this layered on top of that or changing that. That's awesome. I think that's great. I hear from people who are like, I go through the AG archives and what you said about this person from here and how you've changed and evolved in perspective. I am. I would much rather change my opinion about somebody than keep the same opinion throughout because I don't think that's necessarily a marker of emotional growth. And I say that while saying I stand for Shan. So, you know, nobody's perfect. <laughs> nobody's perfect at the end of the day. Except for you, Sasha. And guys, if you're not watching the Bravo Breakdown, you absolutely must. Um, it's beyond fantastic, as are you. And I can't yeah. wait to kiki with you again soon. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Stay safe. Stay sassy. I don't know. It's a new thing I'm um, workshopping. I don't think it's working out. And I'll <laughs> talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye.